the Old Testament book, Second Chronicles chapter 34. If you'll stand with me as we begin reading the scripture in verse number 1, I want you to then put something in your place, uh, mark your place in the Bible, and in just a few minutes I'll come back and read a few more verses from this passage of scripture. Let me start with the first two. Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign, and he reigned in Jerusalem one and thirty years. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his of David his father, and declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. I'm going to preach tonight on this subject, God calls young people. God calls young people. Heavenly Father, I want to be a blessing tonight. I pray that you'd help me as I preach. I thank you for the truths, for the sermons, for the presence of your Holy Spirit that has been here in these sermons up to now. And I pray that that would continue. I know, Lord, that I must have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish your will If I don't, I'll accomplish mine, and I don't want to do that. I want your will to be done in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Perhaps one of the most amazing truths that I discovered as a young man or as a teenager was that God had a specific will for my life. Somehow, for a while, I thought that I would be 20 years old or 25 years old or 30 years old to see if God wanted to use me in any way. But I realized as a teenager that God had a will for my life. I want to say to you tonight, God knows you personally. God knows you specifically And God has a plan, God has a blueprint, God has a will for your life. I love young people. We have a lot of young people in our church and with the bus ministry and all of the ministries, it's not unusual to have a thousand young people below the age of 18 in our services on any given Sunday. I believe, by the way, we've never played one rock and roll song to get one. And uh, we've never had a contemporary song, a worldly song, a worldly activity. You don't have to have that. Uh, if that's the way you get them, that's what you'll have to do to keep them, and you won't change them. I hear a lot of advertising today, well, just come as you are, and of course God will take you as you are, but He won't keep you that way. He'll change you. Some of the greatest servants recorded in the Bible and since Bible times have been young people. I had the privilege to grow up in a Christian home, and I say privilege. Some young people in a Christian home in a Christian school today somehow feel like they're in jail. You need to pay attention to what's going on outside. If you were turned loose on the outside just to see the price and pain and the difficulty of sin of those that are doing what they want to do tonight. I had the privilege from a little boy, I often say I started going to church nine months before I was born. My mama took me to church when my dad was out of church backslidden. 
My mama took me. She always took three things to church. She took her Bible, she took her purse, and she took a switch. And uh, those were the days they believed in uh, giving uh, whippings uh, with a switch. And uh, there were a few oak trees out behind the church, I remember well. And uh, that's where Mama and I would have some meetings on occasions out there. Uh, I had the privilege to receive a Christian education from grade 6 through college. At the age of 16, I could take you to the place where I surrendered my life to serve the Lord Jesus Christ in any capacity that He wanted me to serve Him in. At the age of 21, I became a pastor, full-time pastor of a church this April. I will have uh, finished uh, 24 years uh, in the ministry, uh, April of uh, 1986. I'm very blessed to have been able to serve God from my youth, to be able to be in a good youth department, to be able to be in a good church, to be able to be in a good school. I've been blessed. Not everyone is blessed to have the opportunities that I've had, and I'm thankful for those things. I've never regretted the fact that I grew up in a Christian home. Never regretted the fact. You say, did you miss some things being in a Christian school? I probably did. We didn't have any drugs in our school. We didn't have any alcohol in our school. We didn't have any immorality in our school. We didn't have any cussing in our school. We didn't have any rock music. I imagine I did miss a few things by being in a Christian school. The truth is tonight I believe God is still speaking to young people today. And I want to say tonight, I, I hear some folks say, well, that's just your emotion. No, you listen to me. I want you to understand tonight that God and the working of the Holy Spirit still speaks to young people. And I tonight would, if I were you, desire that God would speak to me. So many times there are so many noises and things around us that we don't hear the voice and the speaking of God in our life. We get involved in so many things that the voice of God is drowned out in our lives. Years ago, evangelist Oliver Reza, he and his wife had a child that was born premature and had some physical health problems and they put a heart monitor on the baby when they sent the baby home. And they said to Brother Areza, they said, Now, uh, this heart monitor is uh, attached to the baby, and if there are any heart complications, there is an alarm that will sound, and uh, that will wake you up. You need to wake the baby up, make sure the baby is awake. Uh, you pick the baby up, and uh, if that alarm doesn't stop, you need to get that baby to the hospital. Brother Areza said to the doctor, Could you uh, let me hear what the alarm sounds like? And he set the alarm off on the machine, and Brother Razor said, Doc, I'm scared to death. I, that's not very loud, and I'm a very sound sleeper. I can sleep through a train going by. I have a hard time with hearing an alarm clock. And the doctor said, Sir, it's very important that you and your wife hear this alarm. If it goes off and the baby has a problem with its heart, it's very important. Brother Razor said he took the baby home, and he and his wife, and they had the heart monitor on, of course, and he said, I'm going to tell you something. I never missed one beep of the sound of that heart monitor. You know why? He was listening for it. He was listening for it. I wonder tonight how many young people are listening for God to speak to their heart. 
Josiah was a wonderful young man. I want you to open your Bible again to 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And let me just point out six simple things from the passage of Scripture here uh, about Josiah that impresses me about a young boy. First of all, the Bible says in verse number 2, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. He was eight years old and he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know, we need to make a decision, I'm just going to do right. I'm going to do what's right. You know, in the Bible, the Bible's filled with choices. And, and it's amazing that God tells us, if you take this path, this is the result. If you take this path, this is the result. And God said, by the way, the right path is this way. God always tells us the right choice to make. Young people, as early as the age of eight, need to make a decision. I'm going to do that which is right. I'm just going to do right. I want you to notice, second of all, the Bible said he walked in the ways of David his father. I love that passage because Josiah didn't know what to do on his own, so Josiah just did what his father did. I imagine in the morning his father read the Bible, so Josiah said, that's what dad does, that's what I'm going to do. I imagine that Josiah's father, David, and I know a man after God's own heart, uh, Josiah didn't know what to do, so he just followed that uh, the ways of his father. And may I say tonight, as a child or as a teenager, when you don't know what to do, just follow those uh, that are on the right path. There were many days as a young preacher, I didn't know what to do. Folks would ask me questions. I didn't know how to answer. And so I would find that question asked of a man of God like John Rice or or Lee Robertson or a Charles Spurgeon. And I would say, this is the answer that they gave. And we'll go with that answer because that's a Bible answer. When you don't know what to do, follow somebody that's going on the right path. The Bible said Josiah walked in the ways of his father. The Bible said he did that which was right. Second of all, he walked in the ways of his father. Third of all, he declined neither to the right hand nor to the left. What does that mean? He didn't get distracted. He didn't get distracted. He just did what was right. A statement I make often to my class at college is, the Christian life may be boring at many times, but the result is wonderful. It may not be exciting to read your Bible every morning. It may not be exciting to pray every morning. It may not be exciting to go to youth meeting the same time every week or to go soul winning same time every week. Hey, but I want to tell you something. When you come to the age of 21, 2 and 3, and you can walk to the altar, and you're clean, and you're pure, and you're, and you're chaste, and you can go, and you can find yourself a wife or a husband and get married and rear your children, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You don't have a bunch of things to be sorry for, dear friend. It's worth being bored a little bit to do what's right to do. He didn't go to the left hand. He didn't go to the right hand. He said, it's time to do this. I'm going to do what's right. It may be boring at times, but the results are wonderful. The Bible says then in verse number 4, Look at verse number 3, I'm sorry, verse number 3. For in the eighth year of his reign, that's when he was 16 years old. He started when he was 8 years old. In the eighth year of his reign, so he's 16 years old now, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. That's good. 
First of all, he said, I'm going to follow daddy because daddy knows what to do. I'm just going to do what he does. Then he said, I'm going to find out why does he do what he, what he does? Why does he walk and talk and live and do? What causes him? And his father said, it's because of our relationship with God. And the Bible says uh, that the young king, Josiah, he began to seek after the God of his father. He said, if that's what makes daddy, makes daddy walk the way he does, I want the same God my dad has. I remember the time I just did right and cause dad did it. I heard a young preacher say one time, he said, I believe it because Dr. Howell said it. And I said, well, I believe it because the Bible says it, but if he don't know the Bible says it, at least he's following the right person who's following the Word of God. Now, Josiah came to the place and he began to seek the God of David, his father. I remember the day I was 16 years old. I, I had a good communication with my, with my dad. And uh, that's important to talk to your parents. Young people, talk to your parents. Can I tell you something? Your mom and dad wants to talk to you. And, and, and you think maybe they don't want to talk to you. They do want to talk to you. Talk to your mom and dad. And I remember one night asking my dad a question, and here's what he said. He said, son, he said, I'm going to tell you the answer. He said, but the truth is, the day's coming. I won't be here, and I want to tell you how to find the answer when dad isn't here. He said, I want you to learn how to pray and ask God the same question you asked me. Girls, I want you to look at me, all right? Second of all, he said, I want you to read the Bible. I want you to search for the answer in the Word of God. And so I came to the place that I didn't just do what my dad and mom did. I came to the place that Josiah, I began to seek after the God of my father. I love that. I want you to notice the fifth thing about Josiah. The Bible said, and in the twelfth year, so he's twenty years old now, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. Now what he's doing now, he's influencing others for right. First of all, he does right. Second of all, he begins to seek the God that his father followed and he reigned as a king because of his relationship with God and then he began to influence others for right. The Bible said he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem. I want you to notice down there in verse number 5. Then he burnt the bones of the priest upon their altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. This is talking about the false prophets and the false priests, those that led others astray from truth and into heresy. And so what he did, he earned a power, he earned a respect that he probably didn't have when he was eight years old and he received the throne just because of an inheritance, but he did what what was right when he was eight years old. He followed his father when he was eight years old and nine years old and ten years old and twelve years old and fourteen years old. And when he was sixteen years old, he developed his own relationship with God and then he began to influence others to do right and by now he's earned some respect as a king and he said we're going to do away with a crowd that is teaching the foolishness and the heresy that's being taught today. Now I believe the hope of America's future is the surrendering of young people to the call of God in their lives. 
I believe when young people decide, I'm going to listen to God's call in my life. I want to tell you something. I've dealt with a lot of young people, and I've had a lot of folks that say, well, I just don't know what God wants me to do. Oh, listen to me. God's told you enough to do to keep you busy until Jesus comes. You may not figure out the place just yet. You may not figure out just the right uh, uh, address just yet. But we know the will of God and what we're supposed to do. Hope of America is when young people give their lives to do right. I want to tell you something. It's not worth the time to sow your wild oats and then come back. Do right when you can do right. As you study the pages of this book, you find God calling young people into the line of service for him. Samuel was called at the age of five. It was a sad day when Samuel heard that voice and he said to Eli, did you call me? And Eli said, no, I didn't call you. Took Eli three times to figure out who it was that was talking to him. Word of the Lord was precious in those days, but God spoke. I said, God spoke to young Samuel at the age of five. God spoke to Samuel at the age of five. I thank God at the age of five, I was sitting under the gospel preaching of Brother Clyde Jones, and he preached that there's a heaven and that there is a hell and that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I remember that day as a five-year-old boy, God spoke to my heart. God spoke to my heart, and I trusted Christ as my Savior as a five-year-old boy. I'm, I'm amazed that sometimes, well, he may be too young. Yeah, we'll teach him about baseball and football and teach him about all kinds of stuff. And then and that little five-year-old boy says, I'm going to be a doctor. And daddy smiles and his eyes rolls around dollar signs. He gets all excited. Little boy says, I'm going to be a preacher. Now, son, that's just your emotions. We'll talk about that. God speaks to five-year-old boys. Samson was called of God at a young age. Jeremiah, God told him, he said, Jeremiah, I called you before you were born when you were in your mother's womb. David was called of God as a teenager. When other folks didn't think that David was called, God called David. You know the story, Samuel went down uh, to the house of Jesse. In fact, Samuel said, God, if I go down there, I, I'm, I'm liable to get killed. He said, you just go down there and tell them you're making a sacrifice. Call all the boys together and uh, I'll choose a king. And the Bible says that Jesse brought all of his boys in there and he lined them up. And when he saw Eliab, Samuel, the great prophet. we got to be careful about saying, I know what the will of God is. Samuel said, surely the Lord's anointed is before me. You know why? He looked like Saul. He was a big fella. God spoke to him. Thank God that the, uh, that the man of God was in touch with God. And uh, God said, that's not the one. He went through the end of the line. He said, he's not here. Jesse, do you have any other sons? I have one. He's just a young lad. He's out taking care of the sheep. By the way, he gave his life for those sheep. He faced the lion and the bear, and God said, I'll take a man. If he's willing to give his life uh, for a little lamb, uh, then he'd make me a good king for my people that I love. Anybody can take care of the sheep, but nobody was but David. When David came, Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him. David was called of God as a teenager. 
Paul wrote to Timothy, the young man, and he said, you be an example of the believers. You be an example to the believers as a young person. Saul was chosen of God as a young man. Josiah was used of God at the age of eight to be a king and to lead in righteousness. I'm saying tonight, hey, don't you dismiss it as emotion. God speaks to the heart of young people. God speaks to the heart of young people. Let me say, first of all, God speaks. God calls a youth to salvation. God calls young people to be saved. Every young person, every teenager, every person here, you ought to know that you're, uh, you ought to know that Christ is your Savior and heaven is your home. You're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You have to understand that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm amazed at those that I witness to will say, well, I haven't done anything really bad. And I, and I say, do you know what Adam did in the garden? Yes, I, I, I've heard that story. What, what did Adam do? Well, Adam ate that fruit. What did he do? He disobeyed God. We ever disobeyed God? Surely we have. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous. No, not one. Now I want to tell you something. God speaks to the heart of children for salvation. Dr. Rice thought you had to be 12 years old before you can get saved. I heard that in the mountains growing up. You had to be 12 years old before you get saved. John Rice would ask his friends, his little boy, how old are you? And his friend would say, I'm 12 or I'm 13. Hey, man, you can get saved. And he'd witness to him, get his friends saved. God speaks to the heart of children about salvation. If you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I believe the Holy Spirit of God right now through the Word of God is speaking to your heart. You need to be saved tonight. You, you won't embarrass anybody. Tonight, if you settled the matter of your salvation, we would shout and rejoice in your decision. Don't let pride cause you to die and go to a devil's hell. Don't you try to fool somebody else because when you stand before God, uh, the truth will be given then. And you don't want to waste another day unsaved. You don't want to go to bed tonight without Christ as Savior. Tonight, you need to trust Him as your Savior. I want to say, second of all, God calls young people to places of service. You don't have to be 15, you don't have to be 20, you don't have to be 25 or 30 to serve God. God calls young people of all ages to serve Him. The very best time to start serving the Lord is when you're young. Uh, and, and by the way, you need to be faithful to church and faithful to every service. God's people, uh, uh, young people ought to be in Sunday school every Sunday morning. You ought to be in church on Sunday morning, in church on Sunday night. You ought to be in church on Wednesday night. Don't ever let a basketball game or a football game or an activity keep you from being in church. God calls young people to service that are faithful to be in church. God calls young people. History tells us of young men who are called of God and surrendered their lives to serve Christ that did great works for Him, even as a young teenager. I think of that young man, Evan Roberts, who in the country of Wales changed the country, a teenage boy, who got on fire for God. Here's what his obituary read. His obituary in the Western Mail said, Born in Luger, Wales, Evan Roberts was the only son of Henry and Hannah Roberts. Raised in a Christian home, he was a serious child who attended church regularly and memorized scripture at night. From the age of 11 to 23, he worked in the coal mines alongside his father. 
1904, he began to study for the ministry. And while attending a church service held by evangelist Seth Joshua, Evan Roberts learned of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and that he could be filled with the Spirit as a teenage boy. He began to pray that the Holy Spirit would fill his life. A revival took place in his youth department that spread to his church, that spread to other youth departments, that spread to their church. Somehow, young people are sitting waiting for some old man to bring revival. Hey, don't wait for an old preacher to bring revival. As Dr. Jorgensen preached, you start revival in your life. You may be the spark that your church needs. You may be the fire that your church needs. You may be the fire that your school and youth department needs. And dear friend, I want to tell you something. God calls young people to serve Him. You ought to find your place and get out on a bus route on Saturday. You ought to find your place and go soul winning. You ought to find your place. Every young person ought to be out giving gospel tracts. Every young... You say, well, I'm afraid to go. I'm afraid they'll ask me a question. I don't know. Sometimes they ask me questions. I don't know. It's amazing what folks can come up with. But what I don't know doesn't keep me from knowing what I do know. Because I don't understand everything about physics doesn't mean I don't understand about addition and subtraction. The old preacher Vance Habner said, I don't understand everything about electricity, but I'm not going to stand around in the dark till I do. I know enough that I can get folks saved. You know enough that you can get folks saved. They ask you a question you don't know, just tell them. I don't know. The preacher can answer that question for you, but I know this. I know how to tell you get to heaven. Young people ought to be soul winners. You ought to be giving out gospel tracts. You ought to be serving people. It bothers me today that young people are waiting to be served. Young people ought to be serving others. You ought to find folks in your church to serve and love and help. You ought to find people that you can help. I mean, you young men ought to cut some grass that you don't get paid for. You young ladies, some of you ought to clean some houses you don't get paid for. You ought to help some elderly folks where you don't get paid for. But you just do it because you have a servant's heart. God calls young people to serve. God calls young people to salvation. God calls young people to serve. Some of the finest bus workers in our church are teenagers. I'm thankful for them. Hey, it's not easy in our culture today to do right, but you can do it. Noah did right in his wicked culture that he lived in, and his three boys and their wives did right. Hey, we can do right. God calls young people to service. And let me say, God calls young people to be an example. I know you're supposed to follow the elder. I understand that. I understand what the Bible teaches that the young are to learn from the older. I understand that. But Paul wrote to Timothy and said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity. What have I got to give? It's not the amount. It's the spirit, it's the heart, it's the desire. I, it, it bothers me today that young people could laugh at someone who is physically handicapped or who falls or gets hurt. Hey, I don't understand that. It ought to touch your heart. He talked about Haiti a while ago. I'm telling you, there were times I had to turn off looking at the pictures. It broke my heart to realize of the condition. We ought to have a heart of charity, a heart of love. And Paul said, Timothy, you be an example of those things. I was preaching in southern Ohio back a couple of years ago 
And a man, I'm going to guess 60 to 63 years old, was at the meeting. He had a sharp-looking suit on, and we were standing there after the service chatting, and I said, are you a saved man? And I, of course, I suppose that he was, but uh, he said, yes, sir, I, I am. I said, how long have you been a Christian? And I expected him to say 40 years, 45 years. And he said, I've been saved a year. I said, a year. Now, you don't see a lot of 60, 63-year-old men in church saved just a year. I said, how did you get saved? Tell me your salvation story. He got a tear in his eye quickly. He pointed at a little girl, seven, eight years old, playing. He said, that's my granddaughter. He said, about a year ago, I was sitting at home. He said, I didn't like church. He said, I, no offense, I, I didn't like preachers. I just didn't like them. He said, my little granddaughter jumped up in my lap and we were talking and having fun. She looked right in my eyes and said, Grandpa, when you die, will you go to heaven where I'm going when I die? He said, for the first time, what a preacher and those folks that came to see me couldn't do. He said, God did through that little granddaughter of mine. He said, Preacher, I got saved, and that's how I got saved. I'm going to tell you something there, folks. You can win to Christ. Nobody else can win to Christ. You can be an example. I love Second Corinthians or Second Kings chapter 5, the story of Naaman the leper. I won't tell you the whole story. I mean, but the man, there was no hope. There was no help. And the little maid, the little girl said, Well, if you just get to the man of God, I know. What's your recommendation for this world? What's your recommendation for a world that has no help and has no hope? There ought to be some young people to say, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to go to Sunday school with me Sunday. You ought to be in our church Sunday. You need to know my Savior as your Savior. God calls young people to salvation. God calls young people to service. God calls young people to be an example to others. God's call is certainly not limited to the youth, but I want to tell you something. As I search this book right here, God sure used a lot of young people. Now, Satan puts out a call to the youth, doesn't he? He's working to spoil the mind of the child. That's why, that's why some of you feel really, really, really bad because of the pictures you've looked at make you, makes you feel bad. That, that's the devil's prize. That's, that's the devil's prize. When you sneak around and listen to that old rock music, it, it doesn't make you happy, does it? Makes you shy, doesn't it? Makes you say things like, nobody doesn't like me. The devil's violated you is what he's done. You hear what I said? The devil, he, he, he did that to you. That's the devil's prize. That's, that's how you feel looking at those things that you're not supposed to see and listening to those things you're not supposed to hear. It's a shame to me that children are sacrificed in America today for the sake of money. We're worse than some third world heathen countries that throw their babies to the crocodiles. We throw ours to the money hungry, uh, sorry politicians today and the sorry money loving crowd that doesn't care a thing about children and young people today just so they get their filthy lucre. Satan's after your mind. But God's calling for you today. 
God's calling for you today. Your heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God's calling. Real still now, real still. I wonder if there's anyone here today, here tonight, that would say, I need to get this matter of salvation settled. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. God's speaking to your heart. Would you raise your hand and say, Preacher, that's me. I need to get this thing of salvation settled. Is anyone like that? Would you raise your hand? Anyone at all? I see your hand. I see your hand. If your youth pastor is here, your pastor is here, would you go talk to him right now? You just get up out of your seat and go talk to your youth pastor right now. I'd be glad to talk to you, but I'd like for you to talk to your youth pastor and tell him, I want to get salvation. I want to get it settled right now. Would you do that? Does anybody else raise your hand and say, I need to get this thing settled about my salvation? Now, God calls young people to service. You know what the Bible says about Josiah? He did right. He didn't get distracted. He didn't go to the left. He didn't go to the right. He just did right. I want to ask you to stand. Maybe you can't bring a revival even to your home. Maybe you can't bring one to your school. Maybe you can't even influence your class. You can decide what happens in your heart. You can bring revival in your heart. Josiah was eight years old. He didn't know what to do. He, did, he just did what was right. He just did what his dad did. It worked for him. When he was 16, he sought the God of his dad. When he was 20, he began to influence others. It started him doing right in his own heart. Perhaps God's spoken to your heart. You need to come to the altar and do business with God tonight. You come on right now and say, play on the invitation song.